Hello there, how are you all? Welcome to Defiance. I'm your host Peter McCormack and today I have an interview with Caleb Ikama, a Vanity Fair reporter who recently wrote about Fox News preparing to be sued over coronavirus misinformation. Now, the media coverage and response to the coronavirus has varied hugely, not just between countries but between news outlets within countries. But could the way in which some organisations reported on the pandemic see them facing legal action? Now, Fox News, the right-wing US news channel, has been accused of downplaying the pandemic. And while the news channel has since made a U-turn over their stance on the virus, some believe the organisation could face legal recourse over the misinformation that was spread in the early days of the outbreak. Fox News has claimed that this is another attempt by the Democrats to impeach the president. This is yet another attempt to impeach the president. And sadly, it seems they care very little for any of the destruction they are leaving in their wake. A political weapon against the president. It is absolutely disgusting that Democrats are seeking to use this complex virus to score cheap political points. Repeatedly compared it to the flu and claimed that the flu could be more deadly. All the talk about coronavirus being so much more deadly doesn't reflect reality. Without a vaccine, the flu would be far more deadly. At worst, worst case scenario, it could be the flu. I feel like the more I learn about this, the less there is to worry. And also said it's the safest time to fly. It's actually the safest time to fly. Everyone I know that's flying right now, terminals are pretty much dead. Now, in this interview, I get into the subject with Caleb. We talk about Fox News. We talk about some of the reporting and the potential legal action they may face. But before we get into that interview, I do also just need to thank my sponsor Kraken, the best place to buy Bitcoin, consistently rated the best and most secure cryptocurrency exchange. Kraken puts the power in your hands to buy, sell and trade Bitcoin. Are you a Bitcoiner? If not, and you would like to learn more about Bitcoin, then please check out my other show, What Bitcoin Did, which Kraken also sponsors. And I also have a beginner's guide on there, which can help you understand everything related to Bitcoin if you're new to it. Bitcoin is a decentralized peer-to-peer digital currency without any central authority. By not having a controlling party required to validate transactions, Bitcoin is both trustless and permissionless. It is also an opt-out of government fuckery. And as Edward Snowden said, Bitcoin is freedom. If you want to find out more, head over to kraken.com. Also, if you enjoy Defiance and want to support the show, please do leave me a review on iTunes and subscribe to the show. Follow me on social media and share this out with your friends and family. If you do have any questions about this or any of my other shows, please do feel free to email me. My email address is peter at defiance.news. The reason why we fight is to draw attention to issues and to fix it. Resilient. Resolute. Defiant in the face of impossible odds. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction, and all you can talk about is money. Hundreds of protesters turned out singing Glory to Hong Kong, an anthem of defiance. Good morning, Caleb. How are you? Doing well, Peter. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. Okay, so we're here to talk about I was going to say an article you wrote. Uh, I've got the title, Fox News is preparing to be sued over coronavirus misinformation. But it's going to be a little bit more than that because after reading that article, I did my research and you've uh, you've been covering this actually since, I would say, early March. Is that about, is that fair? Yes. Uh, it's been, you know, weeks and weeks of this coverage really because as the pandemic has evolved, in the U.S., their messaging has sort of uh, it's, it's shifted week by week. 
so, um, you know, there's constant updates and constant new spins that they have to roll out, whether to de- defend the president or defend their initial narratives. So it's, uh, it's a process. Okay, so look, before we get into this, what is what is the background to this for you as uh, as, as a writer? Where did you first become uh, uh, kind of aware or concerned that the Fox News was disseminating misinformation with regards to coronavirus? Uh, yeah, so it started, you know, I would say late February when Trump, you know, was sort of saying this virus, like a miracle, it's going to disappear. It's going to go away. It's hot weather. Uh, it's a media hoax. Uh, it's sort of everything in that line of thinking. And of course, Fox News, uh, the primetime hosts and the ones on Fox Business who sort of lean toward Trump started regurgitating all of those talking points and really just hammering the fact that this is not as serious as the media is making it out to be. And the media is making it out to be you know, a serious issue because they wanted to hurt Trump, hurt his reelection chances, et cetera. So that's kind of when I first started looking into it and just really following their messaging and seeing, you know, how it would evolve as this thing got worse because I knew it was going to get worse, you know, like based on trajectory you'd see in Europe and and, and, uh, Asia. So I knew it would get worse. And I was like, well, I don't know how they're going to dig their way out of this hole that they're, you know, continually putting themselves down over and over. Um, so that's kind of when I first started following it. And then it, it morphed into, you know, whole new things uh, in the following weeks. Yeah, it's quite an, an unusual one, this one, because there is um, one of your colleagues wrote an article that was comparing the Republican reaction to coronavirus as uh, very similar to the Republican narratives around global warming. I can't remember the name of the journalist. Uh, it's a very interesting piece there. So do you think this was just carelessness? Uh, yeah, there's definitely a big fact of carelessness. Um, you know, there's been a lot of surveys showing that in, in, in March, you know, uh, there was Republican respondents to a number of polls by Pew Research and the Kaiser uh, Family Foundation on the public response to coronavirus, and it showed that Republican-leaning respondents were far less likely to take any sort of precautions to mitigate coronavirus, like social distancing, staying inside, not shaking hands, et cetera, you know, uh, England compared to their uh, Democratic counterparts. And, of course, we know that the only only, uh, outlet that the majority of Republicans trust is Fox News. So they were getting this, you know, they're getting this information from Fox News, thus, you know, following through with the idea that it's not that big a deal and not doing anything to uh, mitigate the outbreak and, uh, you know, in essence, spreading it more and spreading it to people who, you know, are in on the Fox News, you know, misinformation stuff who are just a part of those people's daily lives. Right. Do you separate and were you able to identify any differences between those who were uh, spreading disinformation and others focus a little bit more on uh, civil liberties? Because it is very much a a Republican attitude that you have more freedom to choice uh, for your own actions, whereas the disinformation itself is a little bit more sinister. I mean, of the major Fox News hosts, I would say Tucker Carlson, you know, he was the initial one who 
was sounding the alarm and almost, you know, subtly attacking his colleagues, um, saying, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but that there are people who are telling you not to take this seriously. Don't listen to them. They have incentives uh, to say that. And, you know, this is going to be a big deal regardless. But, you know, ultimately, he is not by any means perfect on this because he sort of like, you know, pushed his own weird theories around coronavirus, around it being, he had a segment that said, you know, it had been hatched in the lab, which as does not really bear any standing uh, in, in the medical community at this point. And he had ideas that the coronavirus death numbers are being inflated. But yet he also did reportedly go to Mar-a-Lago, Trump's resort in Florida, and talk to Trump and say, you know, try and get him to take this seriously back when Trump was not taking it seriously. So it's kind of a mixed bag on that front. And he's really the one, I would say, in terms of the early stages, played it, you know, fairly straight down the line, um, other than the conspiracies about it being, you know, uh, hatched in a, in a lab as a bioweapon. Right. Okay. Do you think there's uh, something in this that this is very much a uh, like as an outsider from the UK, we follow this every th- the the divide between the left and the right in the US. I, I've never known it to be such a gulf in in my lifetime, and that every political point becomes a football that comes back and forth. So. Do you think there was um, part of this was down to the fact that there is this kind of war between the left and the right, and this was initially an opportunity, like a, like something that people didn't really fully understand, and therefore it just became another political football. And then as people realised the seriousness of this, that they had to change their narratives. Or do you believe there was enough evidence early on that there should have been a lot more responsible reporting? I think you know you uh, said it perfectly there that this is you know, another partisan issue that you fall on either the left or the right side of um, in the eyes of a lot of conservative media personalities, you know, and I think uh, to make, uh, I think a good uh, reference to make is sort of, uh, have you seen that BBC interview where um, Ben Shapiro is is on with Andrew Neal and uh, Shapiro is under the impression that Andrew Neal is some far left you know, liberal, crazy person, um, which of course is, you know, he's sort of a, a, a right-leaning uh, Sunday Times uh, editor. Um, so it's like, it's hard for uh, American conservative media pundits to digest anything outside of a right-left spectrum in a lot of, a lot of the times, um, at least, you know, of course there are, are smart ones, but as far as like, the big Fox News hosts go and the ones who have a lot of viewers uh, in the base of the party. Everything sort of goes down to the right left end of the spectrum. And it almost got to a point where at least in the, um, in the first couple of weeks of March, right. Uh, there was pictures like Laura Ingram, Fox News host um, posted a picture of her on an airplane saying now is like the perfect time to travel. Like it was a partisan playing card mm-hmm. because you know, all all these like uh, cowardly liberals staying inside, you know, just like curled up in their beds and I'm out on an airplane. It's a great time to fly. She was telling her followers, you know, now get on an airplane, like right now. So it it did become one of those partisan things where it's just, you know, it seems so insane uh, in hindsight, but it did become a partisan issue where it was like, you're either on the side of the left and you're, you're, you're staying inside afraid of a virus 
or you're on the side of the right and you're jumping on airplanes. Yeah. What do you make of what happened with Trish Regan? Do you think she, I was going to say full guy, but I mean, obviously she's not a guy, but do you think she's been used as a scapegoat, as uh, someone to just push a push out the door and, and uh, deflect some of the blame because I also saw this video that circulated yesterday which was a collection of videos and I think it was uh, Sean Hannity was at the start very like not taking it seriously saying the world was going to end and then it ends with him saying we at Fox News have always taken this serious do you think she's been made a scapegoat yeah she's definitely a sacrificial lamb um, and they actually there was a Daily Beast report it was really good that came out, um, I think, last week. And it, it basically went into how the Fox News front office, the, the Murdoch, you know, the Murdochs, basically had to use uh, Reagan as a sacrificial lamb to try and get people to get off, you know, Fox News for their coverage. When in reality, you know, the stuff that Reagan said was not at all different than things that Sean Hannity were saying, um, things that, uh, like Lou Dobbs were saying, it, it was, you know, things that, uh, Tommy Lahren was, was saying, it was sort of all in the same vein. And, you know, Fox news has sort of a history of turning sour on their hosts and finding a reason to push them out. And when that reason presents itself, you know, it's, uh, sort of like the Rahm Emanuel quote, you know, don't let a crisis go to waste. And that's when she saw the door. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you think there are other people who are at risk right now, though? I mean, it's hard to say. You know, that place is a fortress in terms of getting information out of uh, PR and, and other other people a lot of the times. So I, I don't I don't know that there's anyone else on the hot seat, but it, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, you know somebody went out of line and got the axe, uh, you know, down the road and everything is, uh, it's just a very heightened situation, uh, media landscape right now with coronavirus. Yes, yeah, a very strange media landscape, the US media landscape to follow externally and, and no, you know, no country's perfect. Uh, somebody I was talking to yesterday, yesterday said to me, the US has uh, two forms of state media. They have Fox News, which is state media, and uh, CNN and MSNBC, which is anti-state media. If it was a Democrat in power, then it would it would switch, and the MSNBC and CNN would become state media, and uh, Fox News would become anti-state media. And all, they're all guilty of pushing uh, forms of propaganda to support the, their political bias, and it makes it very difficult to get high-quality impartial news what what do you think of that i th- i think that that's a you know pretty, pretty fair criticism and i would say there yes you know fox of course is uh, all the way trump all the time you know with a lot of their coverage veers uh, into dear leader territory there are a couple good journalists there uh i mean chef smith was i, I liked him you know he's a good host but unfortunately he's gone now and and uh, over at uh, MS and CNN, you know they've they they sort of were involved at least some of their hosts in some of the worst parts, the most sensational parts, I should say, of the you know Russia Gate conspiracy, and and you know there was some truth there, but th- there was times when they took a crumb and turned it into you know a, a loaf of of truth to say that uh, you know Trump was more in bed with the Russians than 
um, really evidence, uh, you know, proved it out to be. So there, there were a lot of issues with that. I will say the difference between the two is that, uh, you know, uh, at MSNBC and CNN, they actually, under, under the Trump presidency, they're breaking news stories, right? But they're breaking new information and putting it out into the world, exclusive scoops, you know, real, real news that their viewers can, um, can consume. Whereas with Fox, you're looking at sort of a network that is almost entirely based on opinion journalism. I mean, they have journalists there as well, but Fox doesn't really break stories. They don't really, they just don't break stories in the same way unless it's the administration just giving them talking points and saying, hey, you get to be the first one to tell, you know, the world about this. It's not, it's not like they're, you know, and have investigative people really digging in and, and uh, bringing new information to the table. It's more so just like consuming the news that's already out there and uh, spinning it for their viewers in a way that, you know, backs the whatever the right narrative is on one uh, given issue. Do you think Fox News, therefore, is a, an extension of the government? Uh, I would. I think there are links. I, I wouldn't say it's a direct extension. Um, you know, it's been on. It's been you know on record that uh, Sean Hannity, Lou Dobbs, Tucker Carlson, others are consistently on the phone with Trump. They're, they're advising him in an informal, uh, albeit important, capacity on on given issues. He's watched Fox and Friends, the morning Fox News program, and used uh, the host's talking points to, you know, send out public policy and, and decide who he's going to pardon and, and how he's going to, you know, spend his day in terms of, of policy promoting. So it's, uh, sometimes it seems like Fox News is the one that's pulling the strings instead of, you know, it, it being an extension of the government. Um, so it, it it does kind of go back and forth because on, on this coronavirus issue, you know, Trump, he had made a 180, right, in the middle of March-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, and Fox News was forced to follow Trump on this issue after he, he kind of just, like, left them standing there, like, alone because he just suddenly turned turned ship on this whole coronavirus is a hoax thing and was forced to take it seriously. And of course, Fox News had been following him and then were left trying to figure out what to say next. And, and we don't really see that a whole lot. It's normally, I think a lot of times it is Fox News guiding Trump into certain talking points into certain issues and not them having to follow Fox News or, or sorry, them not having to follow Trump and, uh, you know, take his word on, on or take his word as a cue to start talking about a certain issue. But you did say that Tucker Carlson had been in touch with him, and this is I've heard this before, somebody else was telling me the other day that Tucker Carlson was advising him to take it more seriously. So I don't. that seems like a disconnect if they were following afterwards, or is, is Tucker Carlson his own man and gets to operate in his own domain? Yeah, he was, uh, you know, I would say he was a, kind of a lone wolf on that whole front. Um, and whereas, you know, other people, a lot of the other people at the network, the top hosts, uh, were sort of all in unison on not taking this seriously. 
Okay, interesting. All right, just before we get back into the potential lawsuits, one other thing I'd noticed is that um, I've been tuning into the press conferences every day, at part, part interest, part entertainment, and I'd been following them on CNN, and I noticed a few a few days ago CNN has stopped showing them. What's the reasoning behind this, and do you think that's healthy? I think the reasoning is that, you know, Trump, he's not really using these press conferences as a way to really inform um, America, at least the vast majority of those press conferences, it's more it's sort of like almost like a remote campaign rally in some ways, where he's like taking shots at the Trump, uh, or taking shot. Trump is taking shots at uh, the media. He's taking shots at reporters in the room who he doesn't like. He's taking shots at political opponents, and at the same time, sort of just praising his uh, administration's efforts on coronavirus, even as you know, on, on record, at least in the West, you know, America has of course, the worst trajectory on uh, coronavirus. So it's not really beneficial, I, I don't think, to the vast majority of viewers to watch, to tune in to these uh, press conferences. There's useful information that comes out of them in bite-sized form, but the, in its entirety, a lot of them is just, a lot of them are just being used to just kind of like rally his base and, and throw red meat into the crowd. Yeah, see, I've I've noticed that as well. I've noticed the tax on journalists. If if anyone puts a pokey question at him, uh, he insults them and questions the organisation that he works they work for. And, and yeah, that itself is kind of difficult. But he does have other people with him, like uh, Dr. Fauci. And so I would argue back that there is still useful information in there for people. We have our daily press conference in the UK, and I know a lot of people are, are tuning into that. It feels a bit like a, a, a political decision to to take the press conference away, but I guess that's subjective, and people can find it either way if they want to watch it, right? Right, and and I I agree that you know uh, Fauci and uh, and Burks and others have have you know provided good useful information to Americans during those pressers, but you know those comments can sort of be summed up in maybe a two to five minute segment then rather than running an hour and a half, two hours, you know, press conferences uh, in, in their entirety, because, you know, it's like everything that he said, you know, he's like joking about fucking models uh, <laughs> during these press conferences, like that legitimately happened. Uh, it seems crazy to say, but it did. And at the end of the day, it's like all this stuff that's coming out of his mouth is not beneficial to the viewer um, and if they want to watch it, there's a million live streams they can tune into, but you, you don't have to air the thing in its entirety. You can just highlight, you know, what, whatever are the most important parts from the task force professionals and what are the craziest moments uh, out of Trump's mouth. Okay. All right. So back to the article. Um, as a, as I said, the, the title, just if people want to find it, it's uh, Fox News is preparing to be sued over coronavirus and misinformation. So what lawsuits or potential lawsuits are you aware of? And what is the basis of these lawsuits? So the, uh, the first consumer protection complaint that got filed last week was based on accused, essentially accusing Fox News of acting in bad faith to uh, malicious, maliciously disseminate false information downplaying coronavirus. And their argument, it, it was filed by uh, the Washington League for Increased Transparency and Ethics, which is this Washington State-based Washington State-based organization, nonprofit. And their, 
they're basically accusing Fox News of like, as as one of their board members put it, you know, uh, airing evil uh, programming that uh, interfered with the prompt coronavirus response uh, in the general public. So I guess the argument is that you know Fox News is culpable in in how a lot of their viewers responded to coronavirus and how you know there's public public response data showing that uh, your viewers of Fox News did not take coronavirus as seriously as, uh, you know, other, other media consumers. And so the argument is essentially that, you know, these people were led astray and thus a public health crisis emerged. Personally, I don't know how these lawsuits, you know, will develop or how, how I guess seriously they'll be taken in court. Um, I mean, it is an interesting idea. I, I just don't know that this is something that can't be waved away with, you know, uh, First Amendment uh, arguments. Do you think this is damaging long term to Fox News or do you think this is something that will blow over? And I know that's a tough question, but what I'm trying to wonder is, is there so much political loyalty in left v right in the US that, that this will be excused uh, by the general public? Or do you think this is damaging to Fox News and, and even damaging to um, the Republican Party as well? I think it will. I I, I don't know. It, it's, it's, hard to, uh, it's hard to say because we live in just such strange times in terms of uh, media consumption by the voter, by voters. And I don't think this is going to hurt Fox's viewership. If anything, we're actually seeing Fox's viewership go up. Um, I think they recently topped the record for most primetime viewers since the first year, the first few months of the Trump administration, when, you know, so many viewers were tuning in to see, you know, the, the man that they voted for and, and what he was doing uh, in office. And so it, it's helped them in that sense. But at the same time, uh, Tucker Carlson's show, for instance, um, it's lost so many advertisers uh, over the years, over the past couple of years, that I, I can't remember the exact uh, uh, data point, but I think it's like it's 70%, it's taking in 70% less advertising revenue, despite viewership going up. So I, that is the, really the real risk for Fox News, not that they'll lose influence or viewers, but that advertisers you know, m- might get skittish and they could lose more. Uh, particularly on the primetime programs that sort of push the most uh, hyperbolic forms of this uh, coronavirus commentary and, you know, really commentary on, on most issues. Is there any any reasoning? Do we know why he's losing? They're losing advertisers for Tucker Carlson because actually as, as an outsider, he seems one of the more reasonable presenters on, on Fox News. He does, he does have, um, I think he, you know, he has a background at MSNBC and CNN. He wrote for the Weekly Standard. He's a great writer. He does, so he does have like this air of legitimacy that other hosts are lacking. And, but I, when it comes to Tucker, you know, he's he, the things that he said over the years, of the past two years, um, include saying immigrants make America dirty and poorer and basically demonizing immigrants at, at every chance he can get. And of course, you know, he sort of refers to vague, he refers to immigrants in vague terms, but, you know, of course he's talking about Hispanic immigrants, you know, uh, migrating from South to North. And, you know, so there is, 
even, you know, in times when he's dissuaded Trump from, for instance, pursuing military action against Iran, um, persuaded Trump to take coronavirus seriously, he's more grounded on some issues than other Fox News hosts. But when it comes to, you know, immigration, that's really what scared advertisers away and made him, you know, uh, an outlier in terms of how bad Fox News coverage is. He's sort of been pointed at, you know, pointed to as one of the worst offenders. It's quite interesting that trade-off then that Fox News is facing in that they want to keep their support high, they keep the viewership high, but if they're going to be losing sponsors, that's going to directly hurt the bottom line and that could potentially lead to some shifts in editorial policy? Yeah, I uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it seems like that they just, uh, that either they don't care. I mean, they've faced so many pressure campaigns um, over the years. You know, there was a time when Laura Ingram lost a bunch of advertisers because she was uh, mocking the students who survived the Parkland mass shooting. And so she lost a lot of advertisers then. They stood by her. And then, you know, they've stood by Tucker Carlson every con- through every controversy, which there has been a litany. But uh, when, when it came to Trish Reagan, you know, they basically just dumped her first chance they got uh, with this coronavirus stuff. And so I, I don't think it, I think it more comes down to the internal office politics at Fox News than, you know, who's making the the biggest mess publicly. It's like, if they like you, they'll stand by you. If they don't like you, they'll find a reason to get rid of you. Seems like a very strange organization. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I think that's a perfectly fair way to put it. Yeah. Okay. Um, just a couple of other things. So I think it's very hard to see how this will play out. Um, the winning of a lawsuit might be quite difficult because it's uh, quite a challenging subject. And But it seems to me like, if anything, the, the purpose is more or the long-term uh, benefits might be that it challenges the irresponsible reporting that comes from Fox News, not so much whether or not a lawsuit will be won. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's probably it. And you know, that we've also seen a bunch of top professors, uh, journals and professors from America's top uh, academic media institutions like Columbia J School, um, UC Berkeley Northwestern. They've all, you know, signed this letter sort of condemning the misinformation that Fox News pushed out to their audience, which they called a danger to public health. And um, so I think, I think some of these, if more lawsuits are filed, we could see this change, but as of now, I think a lot of this just goes to sort of try and hold um, try and hold Fox accountable in the court of public opinion rather than you know in the court of law so much. And it has sort of it's it's caused a reaction among you know a lot of a lot of hosts. And we know that Fox is lawyering up, and you know they're ready to sort of fight back any lawsuits that do arise, but. You know, Hannity went on, he had an interview with Newsweek last week where he says, he says, I never called it a hoax. You know, I've taken this way more seriously than most in media did. Yeah. And it's just like an outright lie because, of course, you know, on March 9th, he said, um, you know, this is uh, an attempt to bludgeon Trump with this new hoax. And he, of course, called it, you know, he called the seasonal flu much more dangerous. And (laughs) and uh, he said, one way he wrote it off, which I find, you know, personally, uh, you know, it would be funny if it weren't so sad that he, that, you know, his viewers were taking this information in, but he argued we're all dying anyway. 
So just like, there's no need to worry about coronavirus. Um, that was essentially his argument. Um, I guess the last ditch argument before he kind of turned around and, and followed Trump and taking, trying to take this seriously and, you know, sort of pretending that he had been taking it seriously the whole time. Yeah, it's a really unusual thing I find from here um, that that doesn't just end at Fox News, but goes all the way up to the president. This ability to deny things that have been recorded on camera and just kind of go ahead with it. I find it really unusual. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and everyone can sort of point to like the records and say, well, actually, you know, you did you did this, like you said this, and their their response is, well, you know, uh, whatever, you know, I didn't. It's sort of just like a blanket denial that they don't need, you know, their viewers, uh, they don't need, I guess, you know, evidence um, proving that they're, what they're saying is correct. They can kind of just, I guess, cognitive dissidence and just kind of keep moving forward with whatever they're saying. So it, it, it like no matter how many times these people, you know, Hannity, Ingram, Lou Dobbs, et cetera, no matter how many times they get in trouble, um, you know, in a public backlash, their viewers are loyal. They're going to keep watching them. Trump is going to keep tuning into their shows. And they're, you know, they're just going to weather the storm uh, almost no matter what happens, it seems. Okay. All right, look, last couple of things, Caleb, and I'll, I'll let you go. Um, it looks like today will be the day where the U.S. will become the, uh, sadly, get the record of the most deaths in any country for people with coronavirus. Um, it's not anything anyone wants to get. And I do like one thing, one of the factors I do identify is that, you know, the US does have uh, unique challenges in that it is a has many destination hub airports as well as regional airports. So it has the infrastructure for, for something to allow for the spread of the coronavirus. And also add into that, like we look at London as a, as a problem and maybe Birmingham now. You look at the US, you've got tens, if not many more cities of that size. So you have a bigger scale of problem to deal with. That aside, what additional pressure do you think this is going to place on Trump and the Republican Party? Or do you think he will survive this fine? You know, what's interesting is that, yes, America faces unique problems when, when confronting this. But so do many countries in the EU, and they were able to, you know, mitigate this thing. They're smaller countries, but they were able, when you look at it, you know, uh, sort of pound for pound per capita, population-wise, they were able to mitigate this thing a lot better than the U.S. was. And they have the advantage, of course, of centralized healthcare, which we do not. So even though, you know, we have very transient cities, like you were saying, and so people are sort of coming and going, and, mm-hmm. and that's why I think. New York was hardest hit. I think there's a new study showing that a lot of these uh, initial coronavirus cases in New York actually came from people traveling from Europe coming to, you know, uh, New York. Um, but I think, though, oddly enough, you know, you know, Trump's his approval ratings as this thing has sort of progressed have actually gone up uh, slightly, and his mm-hmm. his uh, approval ratings on uh, the coronavirus response have gone up significantly um you know, they're kind of taking they're slow like you know they're slowly going down and he is sort of taking a hit now uh in the in some most most recent polls but it's hard to say like if this will affect him going into you know november election because it's just like he's such a novel uh political character that it's hard to say what what bullets will really you know pierce his armor it, it's, it's like it's impossible to guess 
because it seems like, you know, things that look the worst to some of us um, actually make Republican-leaning independents and, and, you know, his base of supporters love him even more. So, you know, they might, they're as enthusiastic as ever to vote for him, it seems. Um, and you don't see that same level of, it, of enthusiasm going for Joe Biden, um, who's, you know, now really the presumptive nominee. So, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say that any of this will actually hurt uh, him at the end of the day. Um, it seems more than likely that it's actually really encouraging his base to stand by him and, and you know, sort of stand by your man, uh, you know, Tammy Wynette style, and just, like, defend him around every corner and come out him stronger than ever before. Yeah, so you've referred to Biden there. Obviously, you have an election due at the end of the year and potentially under multiple challenging circumstances. I don't understand constitutionally or if there's any precedent for a situation where an election's been delayed, but what what are the kind of discussions that people are having in your field with regards to the election, how it will go ahead, what the risks are, etc.? I mean, everyone is just speculating at this point, of course, but even even this primary election, I mean, it doesn't even it, it, it doesn't even feel like a legitimate election a lot of the times because in, in a lot of these most recent primaries, you know, there was issues between the governor and the DNC and deciding whether or not, um, you know, and and just election laws in general, how to go forward with these with these elections, and you know, you had, I believe, I believe it was a Michigan primary where you had uh, a Biden spokesperson going on TV and saying, um, you know, it's safe to go out, like go out and vote, you know, get out to vote. Whereas people in sort of the Bernie camp were saying, um, you know, listen to public advisories, practice social distancing, you know, don't go out to vote if it's not safe. And so it, it kind of does it just kind of make everything feel like, and, and of course, you know, people could argue, well, you know, Biden, you know, had an incentive to send voters out and Bernie had an incentive to sort of uh, try and elongate this election as much as possible. But but at the end of the day, you know, there are public health risks when you're sending um, uh, millions of people to polls. So I don't know what this is going to look like. And it seemed, it's seeming more and more likely that the DNC will be put off or at least try to be restructured in a way that can allow for a remote uh, delegation process. And I imagine you might see a similar thing at the RNC, depending on how long this thing drags out. But, you know, if we're looking at really the, uh, the increases going down in a real way going into June, um, the increase in case numbers, then, you know, I don't know how we're going to go forward with the election as it stands now, especially in terms of um, the RNC and the DNC. You know, I, I think you kind of have to look at it like one battle at a time because um, it's hard to even look toward November. Mm. when everyone is just kind of scrambling day by day to survive at this point. And final question, just on Biden himself. It seems to me externally as an unusual choice as a um, opposition to Donald Trump. Uh, it doesn't seem to me to have the strength of character to, to take on someone like Trump. Um, what's the general feeling within within your circles about Biden and his, uh, his uh, potential of challenging Trump? I think, uh, you know, there's, there are uh, a lot of media people who, um, I, and when I say media people, I, I, I mean pundits, you know, not, not so much journalists that are sort of like uh, on this idea that it's anybody other than Trump. But I mean, 
and then you have other people that, you know, oppose Biden that are saying, well, you know, he's sort of been on the wrong side of history so many times. And whether it's the Afghanistan war, the Iraq war, um, military action in Libya and Pakistan, you know, of course you have like this new rape accusation that's come out against Biden. He's been accused of sexual misconduct before. So the lines between Biden and Trump kind of get blurred on, on a lot of issues. And um, so the argument from a lot of these Bernie people is that, well, if there's not enough contrast between these two candidates, um, that's not going to inspire excitement from, you know, Democratic leaning independents and swing voters who have to come out to for Democrats in a lot of these swing states like Pennsylvania, Michigan, Florida, um, that, that who have to come out for, mm. you know, Democrats to win. Um, so I think, I think there's, you know, there's still, of course, people saying, well, like we're, we're, we'll vote for anybody if it's not Trump and how can you support, you know, another Supreme court justice getting put in on the bench by a Republican, um, et cetera. But it's still like, given the wide divide and disagreements on among the democratic voting bloc, it seems, it's seeming more and more likely that Trump could win reelection because it, it just doesn't, it doesn't translate okay. between the two camps. And I don't know how, how that fracture will, you know, come together by November. All right. Well, listen, Caleb, I appreciate your time over this weekend. Um, stay safe out there. I hope everything's okay for you. And like, I'll, uh, I'll go ahead and read that article you published yesterday. And um, if people want to follow your work, tell them where they can find you. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Karma. Uh, and you can read my writing at vanityfair.com slash news. And uh, I really appreciate you having me on. No problem at all. Listen, take care and stay safe out there. You as well. Thank you for listening to Defiance. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Caleb. Now, the handling of the pandemic and the spread of information and misinformation shows why honest and objective journalism is crucial and the politicisation all over the world, not just with Fox News or MSNBC and CNN, can be dangerous. The coronavirus pandemic hasn't changed this, but it has shone a light on it and made it clear why impartial, non-biased, fact-based reporting should be non-negotiable for everyone. Anyway, thank you to Caleb for coming on the show and I hope you enjoyed this and I hope you're all keeping safe and well. Before we close out, I do need to thank my sponsor Kraken, the best place to buy Bitcoin, consistently rated the best and most secure cryptocurrency exchange. Kraken puts the power in your hands to buy, sell and trade Bitcoin. You can find out more at kraken.com, which is K-R-A-K-E-N.com. Also, if you want to support the show, please leave me a review on iTunes or subscribe to the show. Follow me on social media or share it out with your friends and family. If you have any questions about this show or any other show I've made, please feel free to email me on peter at defiance.news.